Hello over there. This is Tony Campolo from Across the Pond. That's the name of the show, From Across the Pond. I'm usually here with Shane Claiborne, but Shane is out doing his social justice work. The name of the uh, show is From Across the Pond because we're here every week putting together a program on this side of the Atlantic, namely the U.S. side. I'm speaking from Eastern University, uh, where I've taught for so many years. And on this show, we promote red-letter Christianity. If you go to the old Bibles here in the United States, the words of Jesus are usually highlighted with red letters. Uh, We decided to put together the red-letter Christian movement because the word evangelical wasn't working for us very well. Uh, We are evangelicals in our theology. Shane and I both believe the uh, Bible was written by people who were infused by the Holy Spirit, guided by uh, the Lord, guided by the Holy Spirit so that what they wrote became an infallible guide for faith and practice. We adhere to the doctrines of the Apostles' Creed. You probably know that creed, which begins, We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, our only, His only Son, our Lord, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried, resurrected the third day, um, sent it into heaven. From thus he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the fellowship of the uh, saints, and the resurrection of the body. You know the creed. Well, we believe in the doctrines of the Apostles' Creed, and we believe that salvation comes not just by having an academic acceptance of Jesus Christ as Lord, Savior, and God, but by having a personal, transformative relationship with Christ. And uh, that makes us evangelicals in our theology. But we don't like the word evangelical anymore. And the reason is that it has become identified with Donald Trump and Trumpism. Uh, Not that we're against people who want to vote for Donald Trump. It's a free country. You can vote for whoever you want. And we are here to affirm that Jesus is neither a Democrat nor a Republican. And for you on the other side of the pond, let me just say, uh, Jesus is not a member of the Democratic, uh, the Labor Party, or the Conservative Party. The Jesus of Scripture, the Jesus we find in the red letters of the Bible, transcends political ideologies and comes with judgment upon all of us and asks us to look at our political views and ask whether they adhere to what he's teaching. Jesus said, You are my disciples. If you do whatsoever I command you. And so we ask some very simple question. When Jesus says, sell what you have and give the money to the poor, are we using our financial resources to minister to the needs of poor people? When he said, love your enemies, he probably means we shouldn't kill them. What are the ramifications of that in a militaristic age? Uh, When he says, um, blessed are ye, who hunger and thirst for justice. What does that mean in a society where often justice is the prerogative of the rich, but the poor don't get their share of justice? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and to take the red letters of the Bible seriously, namely the words of Jesus seriously, when it comes to justice? What does it mean when we say, blessed are the merciful? Jesus said that, fifth chapter of Matthew. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. That is to say, blessed are ye 
if you show mercy, and if you don't show mercy, don't expect to get mercy. Uh, What do these things mean when we look at uh, the words of Jesus? Rather, Christians are, are people who say, we have an evangelical theology, but we don't identify with the word evangelical anymore. Here in the United States, the other side of the pond, where this program is put together, uh, 82% of white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump. And what's more, are saying things like this. We don't care about his personal character. We like his policies. Well, we raise questions about the policies, and we wonder whether or not Jesus would agree with his policies. I mean, here's uh, Jesus who says, welcome the stranger. Uh, whatever you do to the stranger, whatever you do to the alien, uh, you're, you do to me. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. Matthew 25, check it out. See if it doesn't say uh, that whatever you do to the alien, the stranger, you're, you're doing it to me. So the way in which uh, people are treated as they try to enter the United States. Now, I think all of us would agree here in the United States that we just can't say the borders are open because this country has so much in the way of resources that we would be overwhelmed with people and wouldn't be able to handle them. But we certainly can do a better job of welcoming people into the United States in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you one shocking little fact. The United States has been a major force in the civil war that's going on in Syria today. Uh, Six million people have become refugees as a result of that revolution. Uh, The United States has sided with the revolutionaries who want to overthrow the Yazid government. The Soviet Union, well, it's not the Soviet Union, mistake on my part. I'm an old guy and I have old concepts in my mind. Russia has sided uh, with Assad. So here we are, two superpowers uh, siding against each other in this civil war that has created six million refugees. They have looked for a place where they could live. Uh, In Canada, uh, where I often go to speak, I'll be there next week, as a matter of fact, preaching. In Canada, uh, let me just say this. Church after church after church has accepted Syrian refugees. I don't know of a church that I've been to uh, that hasn't taken in Syrian refugees. This country is doing a great job. Canada is doing a wonderful job in receiving the alien, receiving the stranger, receiving those who have no place to lay their head. The United States, which has been a major force in that revolution that has created so many Syrian refugees. Do you know how many, how many refugees the United States accepted last year? 18. 18. Here's the richest country on the face of the earth. One Syrian man I met up in, in Canada said, if you people down there in America are so against refugees, why do you keep creating them? And when you stop to think about it, no country has probably created more refugees than the United States has. Uh, let me just point out that I, I have a heart for the people of Israel. I have a heart for the Jewish people who suffered so much persecution, but I also have a heart for the Palestinians. 
and the Palestinians have been driven off their land, largely because the Israeli government has this huge army financed by American. May I say, 20% of all foreign aid that the United States gives away in any given year is given to the state of Israel. I know there are people on, that are on the station who say, yeah, you bless Israel, you will be blessed. Like I, I have to say, what the Bible is saying is those who bless the Jewish people will be blessed. I say amen to that. But we must differentiate between the Jewish people and the government of Israel. Uh, the Israeli government is not what Jesus is talking about when he says bless the Jewish people. It's one expression of Jewish people. But let, I, let me just say, Jewish people must be understood apart from the policies of the Israeli government, just as Christians must not ally themselves with the U.S. policies. But let me go on and simply say that red-letter Christianity is an attempt to divorce the uh, policies of the Trump administration from the Christian movement. Christianity is greater than Trumpism, as we call it here in this country. Uh, Donald Trump uh, uh, upsets us in, in many respects. Uh, his language, the way he ridicules people, the way he refers to people uh, coming across the border from Mexico as being rapists and, and murderers and drug addicts and pushers. We, we think you need to treat people with more dignity and more respect than that. Uh, certainly, I'm, I'm intrigued that uh, women uh, were so supportive of Donald Trump. I mean, if there's anybody that has denigrated women, it would be Donald Trump. I mean, that video that they have of him um, talking about uh, touching women in inappropriate places and saying, when you're a, a star like I am, you can get away with that sort of thing. Well, I'm afraid I don't agree with that kind of lifestyle. So we're saying, if you want to be a Republican and vote for Donald Trump, that's okay with us. But please, don't look at the policies that this man has been propagating. Right now, he has just announced that he's going to be taking medical care. Uh, they call it Obamacare. It's actually the Affordable, uh, the, uh, the affordable Health Care Bill that has made uh, health insurance available uh, to poor people. 20 million people who are poor, who are, have their hospitalization and medical care covered by the government, will lose all of this if Donald Trump is able to get his way. Now, when you want to take medical care away from poor people, please don't say, that you represent the policies of Jesus Christ. I have a Jesus who cares about the poor, who cares about the alien, who cares about the orphan. In the book of James, we read these words. This is true religion, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself spotless from the world. So red-letter Christians, and I'm glad I had this opportunity to explain what red-letter Christianity is all about, is an attempt to be faithful to the teachings of Jesus. And we're saying we want Jesus to be respected and loved. And we don't want Jesus to be used as an instrument of legitimating any political party or any political candidate. 
Jesus is neither a Democrat nor a Republican, and let me say it again, neither is Jesus a member of the Conservative Party or the Liberal Party or the Labor Party. Jesus rises above it all. This past Sunday, I spoke on the prodigal son. I was uh, in a church that, like the Anglicans over there on your side of the pond, uh, go by the, uh, the religious calendar of the year. And the scripture reading was the scripture about the, the, uh, uh, the prodigal son. Uh, it's a wonderful passage. It's about a, a man who had two sons. And uh, he, the younger of the two uh, come to his father and says, Father, I want the wealth that will be coming to me when you die. I mean, can you imagine a kid saying, hey, look, I hope you die soon because I'd like to get the amount of wealth that would come to me as my inheritance when you're dead. I feel like saying, when you listen to that story, you got to think twice. First of all, in the Jewish legal system of the ancient world, the younger son inherits nothing. The older son gets everything. I mean, so when he says, give me what's due when you die, the answer is, hey, kid, you're, you're, the, younger, you're the younger son. Nothing is due to you. But the father is gracious and gives to the son what he doesn't deserve. The son takes the money and goes off, it says, to the far country. Here in the United States, that would be Las Vegas. And uh, uh, he spends the money on wild living. Uh, he's visiting with prostitutes, paying them, boozing around, uh, probably on drugs. I don't know what all he was doing, but he is in riotous living. And then the story says that uh, he takes a job feeding pigs because he's run out of money. And all the friends he had when he was a big spender are gone. He's all alone now. And he doesn't have anything to eat. He takes a job feeding pigs. And it says he would love to have the slop that the pigs are eating. I mean, he's that desperate. Please note how desperate he is. This is a Jewish kid. Do you know how Jewish people feel about pigs, about swine. You, you know how they feel about them. This is unclean. You are at the lowest level of de- degradation if you have anything to do with pigs. And here he is, feeding pigs. And he's there and he's saying, what am I doing here? My father has his farm back home. He has hired servants. My father makes sure that they eat well, that they're cared for, they have a roof over their heads. I know what I'll do. I will arise and I will go back and go to my father. And I'll say, Father, I, I have sinned against heaven and against thee. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But would, we, would you give me a job as one of your hired servants that I might eat and have a place where I could sleep and have a roof over my head? So he decides to go back to his father's farm and ask for a job on the farm. He practices his speech. The Bible actually says he's practicing his speech. I'm going to be saying this. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against thee. I am no longer worthy to be called my, thy son. 
would you make me one of your hired servants? I can imagine him all the way back on this long, long walk home. He's saying it over and over again. Father, I have sinned against heaven, against thee. The Bible says that while he's yet a long way off, his father sees him, runs out, throws his arms around him. The kid starts a speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven, against thee. That's all he can get out. The father's not listening. I can just hear the father saying, hey, Harry, get a robe and put her on this kid. This kid's in rags. John, put a kid on the ring on ring on this kid's finger. He's come back home. Uh, Bill, there's a fat calf out behind a barn. You go out and kill that sucker. We're going to have a party. And that's indeed what it's all about, the celebration that the son is, is back home. The older brother speaks. There's always an older brother who says, No, I don't understand this. I've stayed home. I've worked this farm. i worked my fingers to the bone. Nobody ever threw a party for me. Nobody ever killed a fatted calf for me. You feel like saying, no wonder, you know, guy like you, you're such a nasty person. And the father says, hey, son, you know how I love you. Everything I have is yours. But this is your brother. He was lost and is found. He was dead for all intents and purposes, and now he's come back to life. Come on and celebrate. What an interesting story. What a powerful story. And that story is told because it highlights the incredible forgiveness of God. The father in the story symbolizes God, who is always willing to welcome the wayward child always willing to embrace the kid who has gone astray. No matter what the kid has done, the father wants him back again. When I was preaching this past Sunday on that very passage, this thought came to my mind. There's nothing you can do that will get God to love you less. Let me repeat that. There's nothing you can do or ever have done that can get God to love you less. Uh, I, uh, I always meet people and say, God would never forgive me for what I've done, what I've done to my wife, what I've done to my children. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an awful person. God could never love me. There's nothing that will alienate you from God. In the eighth chapter of Romans, we read this from the Apostle Paul, neither height nor depth neither principalities nor powers, neither things present nor things to come shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've got a God who won't stop loving us no matter what we do. And so I said, there's nothing you can do that can get God to love you less. May I also add, there's nothing you can do that will get God to love you more. Let me say those things again. Nothing you can do will get God to love you less. Nothing you can do will get God to love you more. You say, what do you mean by that last statement? I mean, God loves you with infinite love. You can't beat infinity, people. You just can't beat infinity. God loves you. My son always says, as he worked with people who are poor and oppressed and drug addicts and prostitutes, he says, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's a good way of saying it. 
There's nothing you can do about it. So if you're listening to this program and you say, you know, Campolo, you don't know about some of the things in my life. I always say this when I'm speaking to a congregation. I say, you know, if you knew everything there was to know about me from when I was a kid up till now, if you knew all there was to know about me, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. On the other thing, and on the other hand, if I knew all there was to know about you, I wouldn't talk to you. So we're in this bag together. Uh, There's none righteous, says the Bible. No, not one. God loves us, and there's nothing that can be done about it. He loves us infinitely. And again, there's nothing you can do that will get God to love you less. There's nothing you can do that will get God to love you more. His love for you is infinite, whether you're on the righteous or unrighteous end of the scale. So Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son uh, to kind of illustrate what God is like. God is like that father that welcomes the wayward person home. The older brother is the one that really uh, is the interesting one for me. I mean, he's not glad to see his brother come home. Uh, This kid who was lost and is found and was, for all intents and purposes, dead to the family and now is back home and alive and well. He's not happy about this at all. There's resentment on his part. Resentment. You know, the Bible says in the book of James, resentment is the bitter root. Whoa. There are a lot of people that are resentful. A lot of people in the United States are resentful of poor people. They don't want any of their tax dollars spent on helping the poor because, hey, I work for all the money that I have. I work for everything that I've got. Why should these people get for free? Why don't they go out and work like I do? Well, I do believe with the scriptures that people should work, that they shouldn't be around for a handout. But let me just say, when people are in need, we are to reach out to them. This program is about red-letter Christianity. In the beginning of this show, I said Shane Claiborne and I, who usually do this show together, talk often about red-letter Christianity, taking the words of Jesus seriously. And so uh, we're trying to do that. You know, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus, to accept as an academic postulate that Jesus Christ is Lord, Savior, and God. You can believe all of that and not be a Christian. You can believe all of that. The question is, is there something more than believing? There's something more than just going on a head trip with Jesus. It's surrendering your life and inviting this Jesus you believe in to invade you, to become a living presence within you, and to transform you from within so that every day you become more and more like Jesus Christ. Is that going on in your life? Have you been willing to surrender to Jesus? Have you been willing to allow Christ to invade you, to permeate your being, to transform you and make you into the kind of person that he is? If you do become that kind of person, let me tell you this. You will become somebody who becomes an instrument of love, as St. Francis of Assisi said. God, make me an instrument of your love. Make me an instrument of your love, but not only of love, but of justice. Jesus says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for justice. Justice. Do you work for justice? 
Do you stand up for the oppressed, for the downtrodden? Do you stand up for those who have no voice and become the voice? Do you stand up for those that Jesus calls the least of these? Well, that's what this program has been about. And uh, I'm sorry that Shane couldn't be with me today because he would speak more eloquently about what it means to be a red-letter Christian. In the meantime, go to our website, redletterchristians.org. Check us out. There's a place where you can sign on and say, I want to be a red-letter Christian. Would you do that? Would you join the movement? Incidentally, the red-letter Christian movement is taking wings there in the United Kingdom. Be in touch with Ash Barker. You can get in touch with him by going to redletterchristiansuk.org and find out about what's going on over there on the other side of the pond. And to all of you, I have to say, thanks for listening, and I hope you come back next week. We'll have another show, and while I won't be doing the monologue like I did today, we'll have a guest, and you'll be inspired by the guest, even if you're not inspired by me. I do know this. You will be inspired by the red letters of the Bible. Get out a Bible. Read the words of Jesus. And Jesus says this, You are my disciples, not if you believe in me, but if you do whatsoever I command you. Till next week at this time, blessings on all of you.